We have a new face in Silk City, and we have a schedule to go with it. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Andy Ball Report Podcast. All right, we're back again. Episode number 241 of the Indie Bar Report podcast. Ryan's here. I'm here. We have people that think you're Will, which is always fun. So, hi, Will. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I mean, partially flattered, partially furious. Well, see, the, pro- the part that gets me is I don't know how people can confuse you for Will when we spent last week talking about how you are a big fan of like these truly hard seltzers and me and Will spent about 30 minutes at one point talking about how he does not drink anything with carbonation. So inherently you're just like diametrically opposed on that line. I just think it's, mm, yeah, I understand. I mean, I guess there are some, uh, there has to be a spot in the brain of most normal humans. that are just like generic, weird indie ball obsessed people who co-host this pocket. Like I could see it being just hard to differentiate. I mean, like if you're not drawing the hard seltzer line, we're 99% the same person. You know, like on one hand, I want to like refute that, but then I'm also thinking like, yeah, if I wasn't tuning in regularly, I'd just be like, how many weirdos are there that are like this? Like, it's like how many bug kids are there? Right. So there's only a handful of them. And I mean, you're both tall white guys. So it's like, all right, they're close enough. (laughs) <laughs> generic white dude who's overly interested in baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even like ALPB underscore news and like ALPB roundup, then Indie Ball Nation all kind of picked up off of each other. Like as he got away from ALPB news, I started ALPB roundup. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, it does feel just like the smooth handoff of generic white dudes. We're doing it for the culture. <laughs> Can we please name the episode either for the culture or generic white dudes? <laughs> oh, for the no. culture, the strong contender. Oh, my God. We're just doing this show for the culture, but there are noticeable differences, and I think one of those noticeable differences is in the way we look at the Atlantic League, who did release their schedule this week. And that's how we're going to transition to actually talking about baseball, which is what we're supposed to do here, but seldom ever do. Uh, so <laughs> we got the schedule out on Thursday. A lot of it is just your standard Atlantic League fair. There is some quirks in it. We'll go over all of that now. Uh, 126 game schedule, as we've grown accustomed to. Uh, about 85 to 100, and one of those games is going to be in division. That varies per team, which feels like a wild swing to have like. A 16-game in-division versus out-of-division difference. Uh, I feel like we could wind up complaining about that as the year goes along, but I get scheduling is kind of hard, especially when you have John Hopkins make the schedule. I believe it's, the, what, the second or third year in a row they've done this now? I know Frontier League did it one year. Second and then, year in a row, yeah. And it appears as though we still have some of the same problems there. We'll talk about that in one second here. Uh, first half runs about the same time. April 25th being opening day. It'll end on the 5th of July. And then the second half starts the 6th of July and runs through the 15th of September. So that's your general runtime. 
pretty standard fare on that front. Uh, only other notable move is Southern Maryland moving to the South Division for this year while Spire City is on leave. So that is something to note. Uh, a couple of the quirks that were either pointed out to me once I was you know, posting all the schedules or that I noticed going through them. Uh, Long Island does not travel to Lexington this year, nor does Southern Maryland go to York. Those are kind of interesting quirks. More so, I think, the Southern Maryland to York bit, uh, simply on account they're yeah, not After all those fun. years, yeah, time in that long... I mean, relatively speaking, it's not that long travel. Yeah, so it's not that yeah. bad. Uh, then there's also a weird little thing where the Dirty Birds wind up ending the year with six straight games at Gastonia. Uh, going through the schedule, I didn't see at any other point in the year where they're playing six games against the same opponent. Uh, I did notice that Gastonia trips seem to be a little bit longer this year, more four and five game sets. But uh, that is just one little interesting bit there. Also, High Point is on the road for every weekend, meaning Friday through Sunday, except for one in August, which I don't know how they feel about that. I imagine you would want to have those dates, but yeah, they're on the road for a lot of what would be high earning days in uh, August there. Also, another little note about the High Point schedule. Uh, they start off the year with actually a really long homestand. Their first series is on the road. I believe it's in Lexington. But then from April 30th through May 19th, they play 15 home games. Only three of them are on the road. And those three road games are at Southern Maryland. It's the first half of a home at home. So it is, uh, it's some interesting little notes here. That's just what I know is from quickly looking over the schedule. I'm sure when we do a deeper dive into it at some point, we'll notice more interesting little tidbits about it and little quirks in it. But for right now, uh, those are just some of the ones that immediately jumped out in your general overview. Yeah, and it looks like actually every team is finishing the season with six a six-game series on the road and then a six-game series uh, against a team at home, hmm. like or vice versa, depending. So uh, I don't know. Don't know the logic on that one. I'll, I'll deep dive, as I said, when I uh, return home from my trip here. But um, there's a couple other randoms. I see that Gastonia does have six against Lexington at some point. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would... We'll see. We'll see what the math tells us. I mean, there's nothing too uh, absurd other than the fact that when you go to the Atlantic League schedule site and you click on teams to get the schedules, like most of, about half of them seem to work. Uh, Hagerstown's just goes to Lancaster, which I'm sure they shouldn't be thrilled about if they notice it. Yeah. Um, well, Hagerstown's graphic also still had the old Twitter bird as opposed to the new weird X, too. So they're a little fair. bit behind the times. Dirty Birds don't have that six game. Uh, they they finish with six against Gastonia, like mentioned, but yeah. they don't do that. So who knows what the hell is going on here, my guy? But see, that's interesting. Yeah, it definitely seems. I, I always go back to, and I came around because we were hard on the schedule last year because it was a bad schedule. Yeah. But as I figured out more, I became suspicious that it was because of the league and the teams either having weird requests or having. Um, you know, they they decided really late that Frederick was going to be a thing slash Spire City last year. So I think that was a big part of it, and I'm I'm willing to bet there's something like that uh, last uh, like for this one as well, where it's just weird requests and different. I don't know. It, it, without a big unified game plan, I always feel like it's just different owners being like, "Yeah, that's the plan. Let's do that with our schedule as much as possible," and then that's what you end up with. Yeah, because I'm noticing some teams they look like they have both Memorial Day weekend and Fourth of July which just felt wrong to me to have two of the three real major dates in there. 
You know, like, it feels like you shouldn't get both. It should be, like, one or the other. But that and the, the six-game ending bit is interesting to me. If it was every team that did that, where you had the six at home, six on the road, or six on the road, six at home, then I'd say, oh, okay, it's probably to give everybody that one last, you know, kind of financial punch there. You get one more home stand to really market. And you can kind of go all out for whatever's left in the budget, you know, to say, hey, this is what we got and throw it right at that. And for teams that are going to be playoff bound, because at that point you have a pretty good idea when there's only 12 games left. All right. These are the teams that are dead in the water. These are the teams that we know are going. These are the teams that are more than likely going. They can kind of adjust accordingly and start to, you know, build up the playoff push for the promotions and stuff. I could understand that. But the fact that it's not every team and it's only a couple of them, makes it interesting to me. And I still think that may kind of be the logic there to try and give some teams that extra little, hey, here you go, at the end. Mm-hmm. But, like, still, it is a very weird way to do it, especially when there wasn't too many six-game trips. There wasn't too many other six-game tri- trips throughout the year. Yeah, I'm just sort of scrolling through here as I look. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, and I, I can see, uh, I could see this coming out any which way when I really sit down and break it down, mm-hmm. either being like, oh, like, I, I get it, I see what they're going for here, and like, kind of makes some sense, or being like, what were you thinking, burn this, or also just as probable is looking at this and going, yeah, okay, eh, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's uh, where I think I'm going to wind up ending up at to be quite honest with you and just jump in it's like I feel like right now I'm looking at this like that's weird that's weird that's weird that's weird but at the end of the day it's also like I don't know how much is going to really matter like for example last year I don't think Lexington got to host Long Island and it was like okay yeah. it didn't really matter for either team you know like it wound mm-hmm. up working out where Long Island still kind of went out sad and Lexington was just a complete disaster. So yeah, didn't really make a difference. And I'm looking at a lot of the quirks, at least the ones that I know is off the bat. And I got to be honest, I don't think it's really going to matter. High Point's probably going to be a good team again, regardless of if they play weekends or not. And they're probably going to do fine financially, whether or not they have those August dates. And if we're being real, if you're going to lose weekend dates in one month, September or April is probably the first one you want to ditch. But after that... Of the prime uh, summer months, August is probably the one you're willing to throw to the wolves, especially in North Carolina where kids are starting to go back to school and it's going to be really hot. It's probably a tougher sell. So, you know, I think that would be, you know, the best of the worst options there for them. And I don't think it's going to affect them all that much. And like a homestand, they're going to be fine either way, whether they had it or not. Southern Maryland moving to the south is probably more impactful than them not going to York. So... You know, overall, like, they're weird quirks, and you'd like them to not be there because it just is a better overall look. But, like, I honestly think I'm more passionate than anything about the non-schedule-related piece of this, which is Southern Maryland bumping to the South Division. I don't know. (laughs) I don't love it. Yeah. Um, That North Division's been around for so long um, that... Like those teams, like other than the Ferry Hawks, have familiarity with each other and have been playing each other for what, like twenty years now. Maybe you want to change that up. I don't know. I like that vibe. I like them having that, and I don't think it was necessary. And Hagerstown is like 
barely any more north. Like, I get it. It's closer for them, but, like, and maybe you're trying to make it easy on the new team, but I'm like, <laughs> you could have just put Hagerstown in the south if you really wanted to do that. Um, I also argue they're getting maybe a little closer to even being able to do an east-west split if they really felt like it, but... Um, well, it depends on yeah. the teams that are looking for other options, too. I mean, if you wind up losing two of the three teams we mentioned as possible Frontier League teams, then it's like, hey, this changes the way we got to do things, too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if we're hearing rumors about, you know, the, the Atlantic League looking to add a team because yeah. we know they intend to have Spire City back. So the other thing, by the way, I'm passionate about is the fact that, I mean, nowhere on this on the logo for the site is the Spire City logo. I think that's BS. I think that sucks. Yeah. 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 It's trash, guys. Like, it's, you know, it seems to be, you know, y'all's issue that you don't have them playing this year. And regardless of the situation, if you are, you know, caring about them and you want what's in their best interest, then yeah, have them on the website, even if they're not playing this year and if people look, have it like go to a cool countdown for like their first game back and like make it a big deal. Instead of just hiding them like you're embarrassed about it because you know that you have messed this situation up. And Hager Sound's probably mad that they existed because, well, maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Hager Sound. I don't know anybody there, but I'd be mad. <laughs> I wouldn't have been thrilled that Frederick was the market you chose for a new team slash sort of fill-in team. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I really want Spire City to do well. I feel like they have potential, and I, I just feel like the Atlantic League is doing the most to make sure that doesn't happen just via total ineptitude sorry that got really negative really quick oof i remember when there was, was a time we were going to try and stay positive on the show and then like every time we say it we just throw it right to the wind but bro it's because we talk a lot of atlantic league and atlantic league is <laughs> just they the vibes are terrible like we i've said time and time again i love the atlantic league and they should be one of the top like the top professional baseball leagues in the country slash around the world because it's America and so we already get a cheat code to getting toward the top of competitive baseball. Yeah. Um and it's just they seem so determined to kick this puppy in the face. And I just don't understand. A I'm gonna circle the Survivor City point first and then I'll circle back to the Atlantic League point. Okay. Which is I noticed that too. And for a while, even after Hagerstown made the logo announcement, theirs wasn't on the site either. Plus, we're being real, they still have the 25th anniversary logo there. And being that the season's over, I feel like we can just go back to the normal one. And also, Grant probably could use a refresh too, just saying. Everybody else did it. I don't dislike it, but it does feel kind of like tired and old. Like, mm-hmm. not in even like, a, okay, this is what the Major League Baseball logo has been for like, 70 years so it stays this way out of tradition there's not as much tradition there there's 25 years which isn't insignificant yeah but like it also isn't this huge colossal thing that's unable to change like a quick little update you keep the same spirit of it would be nice but yeah i found it interesting when hagerstown wasn't there and now that they removed spire city it's like okay it feels less like a hiatus and more like uh go away and disappear like you were saying which is you know i don't want to call it fine but like we're changing the page over to next year now and we're ignoring last year then we got to go ahead and update everything right and overall if they're still a member of the league but they're just on hiatus leaving just the hyperlink 
via the logo to the website is not like that huge of an ask, I don't think. You can leave it as part of the teams there. Hell, if you even wanted to, just like grayscale the logo. So that way it's more black and white so people know they're not playing this year. It makes a difference, but they're still on the website. They still have access to everything. But yeah, generally speaking, and I think it's gotten kind of worse in the last few years, the Atlantic League has just kind of gotten in their own way a lot instead of just letting things roll. And I think that's really where the problem is, is a lot of the errors are unforced errors. I even think it's just like the scheduling. Like, for example, like you're saying, a lot of it's not like actual practical issues. It's just like you didn't need to go ahead and have several teams end with a six-game road trip. You didn't need to make sure that historic rivalries were broken up. And I don't necessarily hate you know, moving around division, switching them up a little bit. But when you do everything in concert like that, it does give a bad vibe and it gives a bad look. And that is something I will agree with you on. And it'd be one thing if they were breaking it up, if they were trying to build, you know, like a newer rivalry system where let's say you took your two Pennsylvania teams and then you took your three uh, Maryland teams and you lumped them into one division there. And then you try to work around from there. Then I'd be like, okay, yeah, you broke up some of the rivalries that have existed, yeah. But it's clear what you're trying to do. You're trying to foster these other ones that are a little bit more regionalized. And I would say, all right, that's a decision. I don't hate it. It makes sense. You could do that. But here it just feels like you said, all right, we want to make it easier on Hagerstown, which, fine, good decision. I agree with that. But... You're also doing it at the expense of teams that have been there for a while. And I feel like there should be some sort of value in the seniority to allow them to be where they want to be. And I can't imagine where they want to be is the South Division if you're Southern Maryland. Yeah, and I mean, maybe they do, in which case I think that's a... Well, that's a different conversation. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world, yeah, but I don't know, it's weird. It would be weird. That would be it. I think that would be I mean, uh, more weird than it is positive or negative. But um, I mean, if Southern Maryland wanted I, to be in the South, that's just a poor decision on a lot of fronts, at least in my mind. You don't have any real free, no regionality. And from an on-the-field standpoint, like you want to be in the same division as like Gastonia and High Point? Like, at least you would I have... I mean, not like the... Yeah. I mean, Long Island's a constant headache, and... Lancaster is obviously an issue. So well, that's uh, only could, an issue in the second. I could half. I could argue it both ways. I mean, let's be honest. Outside of High Point and Gastonia, we had what Charleston, um, it was it Spire City and uh, Lexington this year. So uh, let's not sleep on the fact that the South Division was hot trash outside the top two this year. <laughs> yeah, but the top two are what matters because those are the two uh, playoff spots that are there. Yeah, you got to beat. You're right. That's right. But, but I've always I always thought of it from the concept of like if there was going to be a wild card, you know, it, it helps your odds. Um, I suppose, but like it, the odds of you know, a wild can, card are slim. It's true. No, you're right. It probably is a better matchup for them to be dealing with Long Island and Southern Maryland, or not, and Lancaster. And um, actually, while I'm thinking about this, York's a nightmare too. Sometimes, damn. Yeah, but York also has a problem closing the thing out too. So that that's the thing. Uh, York, they leave yeah. the door open a lot. So does Southern Maryland. So match made in heaven. Um, 
boy, hey, we don't talk enough about and this is a negative on Maryland. It's just crazy the fact that they even won a title. That's um, the thing. Like the, I keep calling them this I, because they match it perfectly. They're like the Carolina Panthers, or not the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. the Florida Panthers, or the Carolina Hurricane in the uh, National Hockey League, where it's like they're constantly a good team. And if the playoffs were larger, they'd be a playoff team, but they just can't quite take the next step. Yeah. Personally speaking, I've, I don't have a very good relationship with Southern Maryland. You remember what happened, guys. Uh, fuel was on fire. I pointed it out, called it out. Uh, people got mad. People said it was normal. Matt Latos talked some shit. Um, They're you know, the usual, the, the usual breakdown of a relationship with the Blue Caps. Yeah. Um, then the photographer starts shit would, talking you, and then you know that dude can catch hands whenever he wants. I'm thrilled to go back to Southern Maryland. Have me down. <laughs> um, outside of that, though, I would I have no hard feelings in Southern Maryland at all, yeah. and I hope that that isn't something that comes through to people incorrectly. But uh, I would also love to repair that a little bit if there if it is in need of repair. Because frankly, I don't know if anybody anybody here who watches like John Boyce videos and his deep dives into the history of teams and tracks things. And um, like the Cetus did one, the Vikings did one, the Falcons uh, yeah. did one on the Mariners. I gotta watch. Uh, I would love stuff. to do one on this early, the, these years of the blue crabs. Like, I think it's fascinating. Like how many close calls they've had near championships and just like, yeah. not in like a bad way, not in a negative way. Like literally be like how this team that is good. They're always competitive seemingly. Yeah. It just has, you know, through heartbreaks and bad breaks and tough luck. And I think they had one of those years a while back where guys were getting signed and like that was what got them. Like, I think it would be interesting and it would be very niche and 15 people would watch it and they might really enjoy it. But yeah, sorry, that was a random thought. But I think about the Blue Crabs uh, more often than most people, especially considering I don't know that their front office likes me much, but I find them to be a fascinating organization. <laughs> They are interesting, though, because of that reason where they're always competitive. They're never really, like, horrifically bad. And no. it's just, like, they're never over the top, though, either. They always lack that one piece, and normally it's a bat, where it's just, like, you get through, like, the top two dudes, and then it's, like, a bunch of guys that may have a day. But you can never reliably count on them, too. They're as likely to go, like, six for 18 as they are to go one for 29. And that's the problem. You never know which version of that guy are you getting. And in situations where you have 126 games, realistically half of that to win a half, you can't afford to have a stretch of like four or five games where you have most of those guys being the one for 29 guy. And they don't really have that clutch bat ever either. Like, I'm trying to think of really great batters that have been Southern Maryland, and I can't really think of many, if any. Well, they're one of the unique organizations that, again, stays very competitive, but really has no major league, former major leaguers. I mean, they never, they have the Lees right now, Khalil and Braxton. Yeah. Um, Wait, Khalil um, played the major side, I thought he just got the triple. Uh, I think he reached the majors. No, I believe he made it. Yeah, he made it for 20 ABs, two major league hits, oh, baby. Okay. Oh, okay. But that's like that. If they have a major leaguer, that's the vibe essentially. Yeah. Other than uh, what Bruce Rendon, yeah. um, he had a nice stretch this uh, stretch, and like you could argue Andre Scrub. I think he was only really up for like a year. I mean, there's Daryl too. Um, 
but Daryl's career wasn't long. Like we, we got to sleep on that. Like Daryl yeah. had four major league games. Damn. Um, <laughs> and then without Latos, it really shrinks it down. And, and that's not saying like you can't have a good team. I just think it's an interesting method of team building to to yeah, go that route while you're in a division until now that had Long Island in it. Who was like, see if any major leaguers are available, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, but I do think that I mean maybe has something to do with it to an extent. I don't know. I think when push comes to shove, they have trouble in the playoffs, big picture, because this is a long-term trend, not having uh, very many batters that have, like, their big-name guys, like, star guys. You know, when you get in the playoffs, you're facing the best on the mound, and I think that's probably a stumbling block for them. You know, it it can work out over the 120-whatever games, but you get to the playoffs and it's a complication. I know we're, we're way off of where we meant to be with this conversation. Yeah, but, but we don't really have again, much as I said, about I think week, about so. Southern Maryland <laughs> so often. It's really, it is weird how often it preoccupies me. I'm fascinated by them. See, the thing is though, like, and I think where the problem is, is that method of team building they have where it's a lot of like good players, but not like ever high end talent players works across mm-hmm. like the aggregate. When you look at the long term, you can get away with that because, you know, there's plenty of games to play. There's not enough where you can go on long stretches of, you know, losing, but there's enough where, hey, you know, if you have a rough patch where, you know, you only take, like, say, two out of five that week, three out of six that week, it's not that bad. You can survive it because you're going to have a stretch where you're going to win four out of six in, like, five of six weeks, and it'll be fine. But then when you get to the playoffs, you need that high-end talent to be able to carry you across because you only have, what, five games in a series realistically it could be as few as three so you can't afford to have guys that you know are more like over the course of a season it'll look great but if you want to take any three or four game stretch it may not be you know killer as opposed to another mm-hmm. team that has like those former major league guys where they could just kind of come up with one dude on crack one into the gap and then that's the game's difference right there And I think that's the issue with that strategy. Not to say it can't work. It absolutely could. It's just you kind of need one or two really reliable bats. And that's typically not something you find from guys that have like, you know, limited to no higher end, meaning AAA or up experience. Yeah. I mean, I guess my my final thoughts on it would be, because I, I kind of observed into it last year because it looked really good last year and it fell apart again at the end. Yeah. Um, I They sit in this spot, which I, I don't think is a bad spot to be in in Atlantic League Baseball or really any Indy League, where they are a solid team and a strong team where if you, sure, if you play a good team, one of those top teams at the wrong time, you're probably going to lose two of three. But if you play them at the right time, you'll take two of three. And if you play a uh, bad team, a team that's below you, at a good time to play them, or at least at well at a bad time to play them, you'll probably still take two out of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you play a bad team at the right time, you'll probably put them through a wood chipper for a weekend. Like so, out of that, you're sure if if you had a good team at the wrong time, you'll lose two out of three. But just about every other combination of timing and team you're playing will lead you to a series win. And that throughout the course of a year is enough to make that, that run the playoffs. But then as we've been, you know, every time we talk about them, I feel like we land on at the end. It's, but you need a couple like just dudes 
who are going to get out there and handle business in the batter's box, not just on the bump, because they that's a different thing if they're pitching. But um, you're going to need that in the playoffs when it's just like one-on-one matchup against matchup for you know 27 outs. Yeah, and also we need to talk. It is worth shouting out. We are only really talking about their hitting because their their pitching continues to just blow my mind. It yeah, they're an elite team. So good every year, and they lost a bunch of guys uh, in 2022, and they still were great. Replaced them, lost a, even more guys going into 2023, and had Daryl Thompson out with an injury for a big chunk of the year, and they just still had a top three pitching staff in the league. It's like, all right, like, I don't know. They are, and they take some randoms. Like, there are some guys where I'm like, ooh, like, if I'm projecting, I'm like, that guy probably won't make it through June if I see him get picked up by most other teams. And I'm like, oh, that guy will have a sub four ERA for no reason. It'd be a nightmare for, like, the Ducks out of nowhere. Like, he's just going to be that guy. And because it's the Blue Crabs, but I don't know. In summary, I like y'all. I hope you don't hate me. I was really impressed by how nice your fans were when I went to Southern Maryland. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Like, that's their organizational philosophy, I think. It's just putting that priority on uh, pitching over batting. So, it's interesting there. And yeah. the only thing I'm going to say is, and then we'll detour back, and if we have anything on, on the schedule, we'll get to that, and then we'll move on. But, <clears throat> but I do wonder if their location, because attendance-wise, they look good. I do wonder if their location-wise affects the kind of talent they're able to get in. You know? Because Waldorf's kind of out I'm, there. Yes. Okay. I see where you're going with it. Yeah. yeah. It, it is. Yeah. I've, I will, I've said it before, and this is from somebody who worked in Lexington. That Southern Maryland trip is always difficult. It's so hard to get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it, if yeah, you're a player it, I mean, I'm there, even, I mean, you're like flying to DC, right? That's yeah. I don't know about that, man. Yeah, it's just like all in all, it doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really vibe as well as some of the other cities, you know. Like Lexington's a college city, despite whatever flaws it may have. Charleston's mm-hmm. kind of weird, but it's very small town vibeish. So you definitely could, you know, uh, you can work that angle. Same thing with Lex- York and Lancaster, but with core with coal. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So like th- there's an appeal there. You have appeals for those those four. Stan Island and uh, Long Island are pretty obvious, you know. Stan Island, you have New York right there. Long Island, again, New York's not that far, but you also have an organization where it's like, look, look at our track record here, right? So you're willing to deal with, you know, other stuff, plus, you know, not a bad place to be. Then you look at the North Carolina teams and they're you know, they have appeal. Maybe Gastonia is a little bit harder of a sell just because of the city, but high point again, college town. So you have that for younger guys that are interested in that. And again, really solid staff there in high point as well. So you have that as an appeal. It's just kind of like everybody else has a thing. Hagerstown has yet to be seen. Inspire City, I don't know if we can really draw a lot of conclusions from one year, but like, Everybody else has a thing. What's Waldorf's thing? Being nearish to DC. Yeah, but it's not even Crabs. really. Yeah. Old Bay. Crabs and Old Bay. That's pretty much it. Crab cakes. Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. 
I forgot about such <laughs> such football powerhouses as the Washington football team and the University of Maryland football team. I refuse to say uh, their current their current name because I also find that offensive. <laughs> you won't be told. I didn't say the former name. I say I, I will only refer to them as the Washington football team. I need red tails badly. And, and and if they got a problem with it, they can come to me and I'll run right through their defense. <laughs> You know, as someone that I presume is an Eagles fan, you got to really be careful because you nearly lost to that team. Not nah, hey, don't don't put that on me. Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby? I uh, no. Jake Elliott saved you. It, I, I'm not an Eagles fan. Don't we give me that? All right, no, no, no. All right, no, you no, got no. any rooting I, interest? I was never really a, attached to a pro team. I'm a, I'm a big Auburn fan, so I do have enough pain in my life. And uh, yeah, I'm just. I was never that into to football, and then I met Eagles fans, and I said, "Wow, I'd rather lay down in traffic." <laughs> and um, yeah, man, I'm I'm good, and like I'm fine. Like it's not a Philly thing; it's not a, a winning or losing thing. Cause I'm a Phillies fan, and uh, I'm I share an interest, I would call, in in the Sixers, which you and I at some point need to find me a hockey team. So maybe that's a next week episode. But oh, it um, will be. yeah, man, uh, I, I would I. I Part of me, okay. This is the this is how we're gonna end this conversation with everybody going. Wow, that guy needs therapy. Um, they already when say the that. Eagles, when the Eagles win, I I, I give <laughs> because some city had to deal with losing to idiots from Philly. When they lose, I just I'm a big Schadenfreude guy. Yeah, and I was like, yes, suffer, suffer for me. You lost to the Jets. Excellent. Love that. So yeah, let, let, that's what you get, Eagles fans, for attaching your self worth to your team. You you deserve to lose to the Jets. You deserve to lose to the Jets. A fate that some would call worse than death. I think most would call worse than death. Oh, that's horrific. Which hockey point? As we go to the oh, Jackals GM. Thinking of Aaron Rodgers, I really should call my Peyote guy up. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Just because you're in Florida doesn't mean you get to do this. In any case... I would argue you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing your company doesn't listen to this show. This is... The, this is well, I said about two weeks ago, man, I really think this was maybe the best episode we've done. It was really good. I think we're in the right direction. This is and definitely- since then, I... I have regretted it. That's why you need the peyote. That's why you need the peyote. Get us trending in the right way again. But... If you you want a fan base that's really dedicated as far as hockey goes, I'm going to panhandle the school that I root for, the University of North Dakota. Those guys are crazy. I just saw y'all's facility on like TikTok or whatever. It's wild. It's crazy. Dude, it's amazing to play in Minnesota tonight, which is a huge rivalry. Highly recommend watching that. It is is something else. And if you go back to when... uh, well, when they were, you know, a bit more rougher and tumbler and watch some of the uh, hits and skirmishes from that series back in like really up until like 2010. It's a hell of a time, dude. It was just like the Wild West. But- I will say mm-hmm. um, I will probably not be watching that tonight because there is a Phillies game and um, they play tomorrow. No too. big deal. No big deal. We got Dave Matthews here at this event, so I'm going to be watching some Dave Matthews, baby. Speaking of peyote, um, 
<laughs> and um, damn, I, I was going to give you, I got a pretty good vibe going of the, the teams I'm looking at for hockey. So yeah, that'll definitely be a conversation because I, I need guidance. I am, I'm completely lost. Oh, this is going to be a fun conversation next week. I can already tell. It's going to be bad. Y'all might want, that might need to be a ton episode because there's going to be a lot of people who are like, I do not care what hockey team Ryan cheers for. What are we doing here? And you know what? If you feel that way, if you feel that way, yeah, you're right. Fair enough. Look, we're slowly integrating hockey into the repertoire. I had to tweet out because Flow Hockey was messing up last night with their broadcast. I, so saw, I had, I yeah, had to tweet it out. The Everblades. Everblades. Talk about great branding. The Everblades is a fantastic name. That is no notes. That's so good. Dude, have you seen the jerseys? Yes, I love them. I love oh, the I like the that and the, uh, the yeah. ice bears. Everybody, if you're listening, was it Orlando? The sun bears. That's so, yeah, it. solar bears. Isn't that it? Yeah, the Orlando solar, solar bears. bears. If you're listening, do yourself a favor. Go check out the Orlando solar bears logo. And if I recall, they like skate out onto the ice to start the game out of a giant bear with shades on. Y'all, it you will not regret it. I want them to make like a baseball style jersey or something. Oh, God. You need to... <sighs> Or last thing, and then we're actually going on to talk about New Jersey's new GM. But when you have time, you need to go onto YouTube and look up the University of Alaska Anchorage Nanooks opening videos. Because they used to always do these things in like the late aughts, early teens. And it's crazy, dude, because they're low, because they're the Nanooks. I suppose that's like um, indigenous language for polar bear. So they're locals polar bear. This thing in the one is in like a fighter jet and it has sunglasses on with Top Gun music playing and it's blowing up arenas and whatnot. At one, there's one where it eats the earth. It's crazy stuff, dude. Dude, the entire aesthetic, I think, and this goes for baseball. We're back on baseball because we're talking yep. branding. Yep. I, I, I firmly believe that it should be something that people want to wear and also something that is infuriating to lose to. Like, because I'm looking for whatever reason, when I searched um, for the solar bears, it came up with a um, mm. some sort of like game graphic, which was them and like the Utah like Grizzlies hockey team. Okay, yeah. Which is like a angry, red-eyed grizzly bear with its mouth and fangs showing, and like a broken hockey stick. Yeah, I know like, the logo. Clawing yeah. at it, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, one of these teams doesn't seem fun, and one of them seems chill as hello, and I just find it really funny to be like. To think you could just be getting punted like four nothing in the second period by the solar bears and they're just like celebrating on you. So funny. Uh yeah, I got yeah, there's I really wanna see there are some really silly like some of the minor league teams that win, but anytime like a team just stunts on you with a, a completely silly like weekend jersey, like a re like a one game rebrand, or even best scenario is they like clinch a playoff spot in some silly like one-off jersey that is my like my peak baseball thing is a bunch of dudes spraying champagne in like the silliest jersey possible like oh like dressed in like a taco jersey or something crazy yeah it's crazy stuff here but you know what isn't silly hit me the new jersey jackals new gm that's not silly at all and his what name, do you make of it? I don't know what to make of John Hunt, who's now the new GM. Uh, 2022 Expedition League uh, Executive of the Year. 
It looks like that team folded and a new team took their place. That's kind of the same thing. It's a weird setup there. I couldn't find the attendance for the Expedition League. It was extremely difficult to find. So I'm going to take their word for it that it did uh, increase. Also, Wilmington increased their attendance to a 26-year high this past year with him at the helm. That would be the Wilmington Sharks of the Coastal Plain League. Um, okay. Also spent some time with Southern Maryland to bring it back to them, of course. Uh, spent six years there. It does not say in what capacity. Check in the LinkedIn page. Um, it seems as though he's really a big radio guy. Um, whether that's owning radio stations, commentating on the radio, a bunch of stuff like that. So it does seem to be kind of weird that, you know, in the last mm -hmm. three or four years, he's been like, yeah, screw it, going to be a GM. But at the same point in time, like, it does look like he has success. I will note Wilmington's attendance went up. Um, I don't believe doubling is really correct because when I saw the numbers, which I got from uh, Ballpark Digest, please unblock me, uh, they went from 1377 <laughs> in 2022 to 1523 in 2023. So that's not quite doubling, uh, but it is adding yeah. about another 150 or so people, which is an improvement. And in the case of Jackals, I mean, that would be nearly doubling your attendance, I guess. So, you know, that's a positive there. So I just found it kind of interesting that they explicitly addressed that this guy's good at growing attendance, seeing as... That's right. kind of been the thing that, and I'm going to refer to us in the third person, the media has been focusing on um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking myself real seriously yeah. today. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I just found that kind of interesting. I again think how much of a say is he going to have in like on-field things? Probably not that much. I think he's probably... No, it doesn't seem that he will. Yeah, so I think it becomes more and more important to bring back PJ or finding a guy like PJ that's willing to kind of like mm -hmm. run the show here correctly. Uh, because again, like he has experience, but not in professional baseball. Not to say that the Coastal Plains League is small peanuts. It's a very respectable, you know, summer college league, probably the second or third best, uh, depending on how highly you rank the Cape Cod and Northwoods leagues. But, you know, it's still notably different from professional baseball there's different expenses there's different situations and you know uh patterson new jersey is a lot different than pierre south dakota and wilmington north carolina so as far as what i make of it i think it's an interesting hire i think he's probably a guy that focuses more on the finances especially having you know a history in business and building business and now with attendance i think that's where the priority is shifting at least from a front office perspective while the baseball decisions are going to be left to the baseball staff. So I I want to say I'm kind of hopeful that this doesn't really change much, except for, you know, the things that need to change. But you can never really tell in situations like this. Yeah, I mean, a, bit, a change had to be made on the business side. I mean, what yeah. a disaster. But, yeah. uh, I mean, what's he can't move the park. Um, can move the team. Can't reshape the outfield. Maybe he'll move the bouncy castle. That would be possible. Um, I'm just thinking it through. Yeah. Uh, and, like, okay, that was just really a negative run there. But I was really trying to think through things that, like, have been complained about and, like, DM'd in to me about. Um, just checking through my head, like, I mean, he's going to have to – God, I hope he has a focus on, like, the local area because that seemed to be lacking. 
significantly. I mean, awesome marketing. I, I mean, it was kind of lacking to uh, a large chunk. Yeah. I mean, there's a large Hispanic population that got like two days of focus on the yeah. ballpark. So maybe yeah. focus on that a little bit. I, I really think, yeah, because I'm thinking, I mean, they were sitting, what, like 700 average attendance allegedly? A little over that, yeah. I mean, to even make it like, presentable and by presentable i mean make the number itself not stick out like a sore thumb you almost have to double the attendance and not just say it was double double um uh new jersey oh boy do i not oh i don't believe that number for a sec new jersey said 880 a game oh sit down new jersey what are we doing like at a certain point, it's just insulting that yeah, you're gonna say that was your attendance. Like we counted All games right. where they post. I'm gonna try not to be mad about that. Yeah, but but like ugh. we counted games where they would, for whatever reason, show the crowd in like Instagram stories and whatnot, and there was quite literally 30 people. Like you could pause yeah. and count. Like that. Oh, they were on the concourse. Cool. I'll double it. You had 60 people. Oh, I'll triple right. it. I'm not gonna mad. I'm gonna back it down. I'm not mad. I'm just. Just, there's you know, like that team should do well and they're again a the new <laughs> new jersey is the atlantic league of the frontier league um just a lot of unforced errors man yeah. <laughs> like and i want them to do well and it's just unfortunately so hopefully this guy it seems like he probably has some sort of unique take on things and unique position i'm hoping this is a um i'm trying to look for the word an earned hire and not a friend hire yeah which i think is also a possibility, but I don't, I have any to believe that factually other than just looking at the situation itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really just radio feels like something where you have to, I mean, radio loves doing promotions and community. Like they love having their, their logo and branding at events. Like I'm hoping he's bringing an understanding of how to really do some work in the local community and, and get that recognition that you need in order to successfully sell tickets and feel the good competitive team day in and day out. Yeah. And like there's there's success here too in the two years he was a GM, you know, there's notable improvements on those two teams. So I have confidence there, but I do wonder like, do you approach this from an outside in or an inside out way of looking at it where you say, okay, we got to first off improve the experience at the ballpark, which probably starts at fixing the parking issue where apparently you have to prepay for parking and there's still only like 300 spots, which is a major problem if you want people to drive into a city, especially a city that has, you know, Patterson's reputation. And as we covered back when um, we had those Dorso comments, uh, no, it is in Mm -hmm. fact a bit of a dangerous section of the city. The area around it's okay, but the actual Mm -hmm. area itself, not quite great. So having on-street parking for a night game is probably not going to do well, especially when you got to walk through a national park to get there. But, you know, that's another thing entirely. So that's something you got to address. I'm not sure that's really something he can address, but you could probably at least get rid of the prepaid part of it. Um, Maybe reserve some spots we want to pay in advance or say if you're a season ticket holder, you get a parking space too. That can maybe incentivize a little bit. Um, That Mm -hmm. or... Good call. Maybe make some sort of deal with either a parking garage or parking lot where you have people park offsite and you shuttle them in. That's not a great solution, but it's better than nothing. Um, that could maybe be a thing too. Uh, you could go from that perspective and then obviously like improving, you know, the ballpark experience, like I said, or do you look at this like, okay, 
it's going to be too hard to fix some of those issues to get other people in. We got to focus on the immediate community and work from there and do all the outreach first. And then we'll focus on the ballpark and correcting the other issues. It's realistically, you could go either way on it. And I think there's positives and negatives to both directions on it. I'm just curious to see how they're going to tackle that. Like, what's the preferred direction on it? I mean, if, oh man, dude. Yeah, you're right. My number one thing, as much as it could go hand in hand, I think by fixing the internal, it will fix the external. Mm-hmm. Because I just think internally there seems to be, and I'm not saying for every staff, member i don't really know their front office like that but like at least at the top it seemed just like there was a fundamental misunderstanding completely of what the value was of the team to the customer Mm -hmm. i mean completely just thinking that the move would go well thinking that uh it was crazy anybody who suggested otherwise thinking um you know they could go about their marketing strategy the way they did only like midway through the year after being like pushed on attendance issues and all that being like, Oh, maybe we could have reached out to the local Hispanic community more. Like, Hey, what? That was I, like, I feel like when they decided to move there, we're like, well, they'll have to do that. Like, and yeah. we're two idiots for the podcast. So yeah, I, 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 a little trademark on that one, but like, two idiots for the podcast well, yeah. bing, on that one. And we'll make sure it's, um, so gen- generic white guy. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> that's really why you went to uh, you wanted to go to your homeland there it is basically oh my gosh we just sent a bunch of corporate managers out into the everglades on air airboats so i'm i don't know i'm wondering what percentage of them i get back um oh my god at least they're easy to anyway. replace mike fell in which one dude it's corporate managers they're all named mike i digress <laughs> um oh, so yeah, boy, that's just an insurmountable challenge, seemingly. Like, if he can even start to make headway on it, that'd be amazing. But I think yeah. it has to be a philosophical change at the top, understanding truly what it is that brings value to the customer from that team. And then on the other end, they're going to need a couple big wins. They need a couple, like, off field, like, big, like, free parking, boom, like, make a big deal with the city, have an agreement that deserves some sort of, like, press release announcement and maybe it's a local news coverage like hey cool thing if you're going to the game they have this awesome deal with parking now or like hell you could even have sponsors instead of like sponsoring you know like michael's licking third base because it's the fourth inning sponsored by cleaning your tongue toothbrushes have them sponsor parking for the night like do that i think there's a way to do it and by getting that like it will get in front of people that maybe don't like the reputation team or didn't have a good experience this past year. And they go, Oh, like, yeah, like they're going the right way. Uh, The the bad news is it seems about as bad as it can get. The good news is can't get much worse. Got a blank slate. You know, that's entirely true too. And I, you know what, like going back to the parking, you know, we've harped on a bit, but now we're on this, like you can even have like, the on-site parking be your paid parking and then do off-site as free parking where you then again get the shuttles and whatnot and you have a transportation sponsor like you're saying like that could be part of it too because there's got to be at least one college or large high school or something in patterson where it's like yeah we could go ahead and have people park here in this large open space 
and bring people in and out fairly effectively and fairly efficiently. Yeah, there's a way. Yeah. Got to get through the box. Yeah, that's it's just I, I say that like it's the easy move. Yeah, you just got to think the way no one else is thinking. Best of luck. Are you sure you're not one of those corporate managers, dude? It is like. For those who don't know, I'm in Florida right now working at an event. Hopefully, you can hear me okay. Um, but he says I am a social in. media person for this company, but partially I also do the event stuff. Long story. Um, and not as the main person, thank God, but I'm like one of the people who help run it. And uh, watching the reaction of like, oh, we're talking to this very knowledgeable young up and coming employee who is you know helping run the event, and they ask what my job title is, and I'm like social media, and they just go. And they just discount every word I've said. I'm like, I tweet for a living. And they're like, yeah, okay. Then they go, I thought they changed the name of that site. Oh, yeah, right. No, I refuse. It it is. I I refuse to change it. I really hope there's one dude that's just like late 60s, early 70s. And it's just like, so how's our threads engagement? How's our threads engagement? Dude, it would never be asked. How's it that? came up in in our meeting the other day in a communications meeting and yeah. they were like and they the question was well threads is threads a thing and then just looked at me i was like technically and they're like cool and just continued <laughs> on so that's how that's going i like that i still have threads on my phone i i have not deleted it yet but yeah that's pretty much the way i feel about it every once in a while i get a notification i'll go i go like why is this still on my phone and i'm like oh I haven't deleted it, but yeah, like threads. I mean, even if you don't delete it, Instagram will still pretty much push it. I mean, I guess I do technically have an account, but just as a placeholder. Anyway, we should. This is we are already on a grossly limited time. You're bumping up against your time frame. I am very Um, much so. Yeah, and because we're short on time, we're gonna have to hit one of the most awkward and immediate outs that we're ever gonna hit on this show. Uh, because it's kind of detached because it's being recorded after everything else because Ryan is in Florida and I am not and he is working and I am not at the moment and everything's kind of awkward so on that note we're going to be out Indie Ball Nation on just about everything Indie Ball Report on just about everything and as you know we say around these parts until next time don't forget to play ball